In this week's Tips on the Top Floor, we'll take a closer look at how to get your photos onto the prestigious Flickr Explore. Al is red-green blind and he asks for tools to help him get the colors right. And there's something I have to ask you about. This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 860 for March the 28th, 2019. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right. Hello and welcome, it's Chris again. Um, before we get into the photography and into the whole Flickr Explorer thing, uh, here's something I'd like to run by you. And you, you know that every now and then I have advertisers here on the show, which I'm very grateful for because they really help keep this whole thing going and give me a justification to spend time on doing this show um, almost every week. But I also usually have a clear stance towards what kind of advertisers I accept on the show. And my number one directive is that the advertisers should be relevant to you, the audience. I really don't see much point advertising mattresses here on the show. And yes, I know, you could argue that everyone needs to sleep so it's relevant to photographers. But yeah, no, not really. I Yeah, I'm, I'm just not a great fan of that. So... What I do is I regularly reject advertisers. Just last week, I had two advertisers knocking on the door, one for general clothing, N nothing photography-specific in that, and one for life insurance. Again, yes, every, <laughs> every photographer needs to wear clothes, and some might want life insurance. But yeah, it's not, not really specific to uh, what I'm doing here. But... I've also been wrong in the past with decisions around what and how to advertise on the show. And I've been told by my audience before that um, I, I remember years ago when I started Patreon, I asked uh, some of you if you wanted a as, a as a special reward on Patreon for a higher tier, if you wanted an ad-free show. And the majority, not actually not the majority, I think every single mail I received within a day, I had like 20 people answering and everyone said, leave those ads in the show. They are good. They help you make the show. They help you run them. And we even find the odd interesting bit from those ads. So I was wrong back then because I thought a lot of people would go, yeah, I hate the ads and so on. So I'm not saying I want to advertise mattresses, but I just want the your thoughts on that, okay? What are your feelings about that? Just in general, I have no plans of including weird advertisers that have nothing to do with photography, but I I might com be completely wrong. So uh, send me your thoughts on this um, to voice at tfttf.com, email, voicemail, whichever way you want, voice at tfttf.com, and thank you. So, Flickr, explore... Who of you, hands up, who's on Flickr? How many of you are on Flickr and share their photos on Flickr? I've been a Flickr member since 2005, I think. So that's 14 years. And I've been a pro member almost since the start. And now that Flickr changed um, or, or, or changed the ownership and SmugMug took over and uh, they, they reduced the, the amount of photos 
to be put on there for for non-paying members to like I think a thousand was it a thousand yeah um, even then I think the world needs a dedicated photo platform and Flickr is that photo platform for me still and it might not have the relevance anymore um, as big as it was 10 years ago but I think it has to it has the potential to come back and I'm pretty glad that SmugMug took over because they really like photography we talked about all this here on the show before but in general I'm a fan of Flickr I love Flickr uh, I've uh, just begun putting photos on Flickr again after a bit of a hiatus there. And I ended up on Flickr Explore with one of my photos recently. And if you're not a Flickr member, Explore is a bit of a discovery engine. Flickr has a gallery they call Explore, which I think changes every 24 hours. And they put photos on there. And if your photo ends up there, then you, you end up with quite a bit of traffic. So the the the, the, the Explorer can be found if you're on a, on a desktop system. Just go to your web browser, flickr.com, F-L-I-C-K-R.com, slash explore. Or on the mobile app, just tap the search icon, and that brings up the Explore gallery. Now, again, one of my photos recently got into Explore, and... Uh, I think I uploaded that on March the 10th. And then on March 11th, I began receiving notifications and on comments and favs. Uh, basically, my phone exploded. It was quite a bit more than usual. Uh, actually, a lot more than usual. The statistics when I last checked, which is a few days ago, was like 49,000 views, which I'm not sure how they define views, but... Uh, probably deliberate views not just people scrolling by because otherwise other pictures that i post would have more uh it has 608 favorites and 35 comments which on the Flickr platform is a lot because since they changed their mobile app to kind of hide the comments a bit the the, the amount of comments has dropped dramatically so 35 comments 608 favs 49,000 views that is clearly, clearly above average by far. So, well, I was looking at the statistics and I, I thought, let me dig a bit deeper. Let me look a bit deeper at what that actually means um, to have a picture in Explore and especially how you get in there. Because, I mean, to be honest, I was happy. I mean, being that visible with a photo yeah sure who wouldn't love that it's a nice at least for your ego it's very nice and i wanted to find out if that actually does more than just stroke your ego so there are a few interesting details from the statistics that uh that i got from Flickr. um first of all it was most traffic on one day um this happened within one day within one day that's the interesting thing so during those 24 hours you get hammered but it had there's a few more factors going in there. But after the image was was not in Explore anymore or scrolled off to somewhere deeper down, the traffic pretty much died down over one more day. So that was interesting. Um, the traffic sources, they have like a, a list of different traffic sources. Um, 
Flickr was pretty much 100% of those traffic sources. There are other sources they list in there, like social, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter. And almost none of those uh, of that traffic came from any of those sources, according to their statistics. No, no social, no search, no other. Um, and maybe that was of my own doing because I think I didn't place many links back to Flickr on social media. I didn't go around and say, "Yay, my picture is an explorer." I think I did this once on Twitter, but that didn't yield a lot. Um, so, uh, pretty much one hundred percent from Flickr, which I found interesting. Uh, out of that traffic, 98% came from mobile. So during that peak day when the picture was in Explore, 98% from mobile. Which again, after after the next day when the picture wasn't on Explore anymore, that, that kind of dropped off again. And a bit more, bit more desktop came through, but mobile was very high on the list. Which I see with a lot of websites these days. Uh, mobile is taking over big time. Uh, the desktop isn't that important anymore. Everything I do on the web now, I try to be mobile first because that's where the traffic comes from. Um, I also had other photos in Explore over the years, but none of them got anywhere near the attention that this one got. And I was looking at those at the reasons for that as well and i think one is that this one was further up in the list so you didn't have to scroll much and i think that helps because we know this from search results in google and so on the what's on the first page will be seen what's on the second page is almost invisible um this was also quite unique looking compared to the surrounding photos it was one of the aurora photos from norway um it stuck out it clearly stuck out from the other photos. And then there's <laughs> interesting finding as well. Uh, the Explore Gallery is has a so-called brick wall formatting, where you have portrait and landscape format pictures or aspect pictures, horizontal and vertical pictures next to each other. And uh, horizontal pictures just get more space. A vertical picture might be placed next to a, ver- uh, next to a horizontal picture, and the Aurora photo is a horizontal picture. And on on mobile, uh, this got formatted to get the full width, which was clearly bigger than some of the vertical photos. And in general, vertical photos tend to be smaller, even though the, <laughs> the interface on your smartphone is vertical. But the vertical photos tend to be smaller and kind of combined with other photos side by side, because otherwise, I think the vertical photos would get distro- disproportionately much more space. It's a design decision. So that's interesting. That might be a hint. Um, but what else goes into getting a photo on Explorer, and what is it good for? And that, let me my uh, let me answer my conclusions right here at the beginning. I don't really see a value of being in Flickr Explorer, other than doing something for your ego, making you feel good. Well, not hundred percent, not hundred percent true. Uh, there is one other value that I'll talk about at the end. Um, here's your cliffhanger. So let's continue. To see what gets you on Explore, I also did a f- just a few quick and dirty, mostly unscientific tasks. I just counted the types of photos in Explore. So I went on Explore on the, <clears throat> what was it, the 24th of March, and I 
I didn't go through the entire list, but the first 200 and some 50 photos um, that I gave up. But I, I, I tried to sort them by type. So I went in and looked at uh, what kind of photos we were looking at. And 50, 50 out of those photos, not 50%, 50 out of those photos were landscape photos. And uh, another 45 were bird photos. And flower photos were like 24 on the third place. There was like a whole other category that I threw in everything else. But there was like... a landscapes birds and flowers together make almost 50 percent interesting distribution i'm not sure how this distribution happens but um, i think it's at least noteworthy so with a landscape or a bird or a flower photo you seem to have the biggest chance to get into explore maybe maybe i'm wrong but that's at least my thought so the question is how does explore work Let me take a minute and thank this week's sponsor, HoneyBook. If you run a creative business, you know how to make your clients look good. But if you're struggling with tedious administrative tasks, let HoneyBook do the work and make you look good. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that lets you control your client communication, bookings, contracts and invoices all in one place. If you're a creative freelancer or small business owner, HoneyBook helps you stay organized with custom templates and automation tools. You can even use HoneyBook to consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite and MailChimp. Over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals and other entrepreneurs have saved hundreds to thousands of hours a year. It's your business, just better with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering you, the listeners, 50% off your first year with promo code TOPFLOOR. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to HoneyBook.com and use promo code TOPFLOOR for 50% off your first year. Get paid faster and work smarter with HoneyBook.com, promo code TOPFLOOR. This episode of Tips on the Top Floor is also brought to you by Shaper. Take networking from awkward to awesome with Shaper, the number one professional networking platform that uses your experience, interests and goals to help you make the right decisions. Whether you're looking for investors, a co-founder, a new job opportunity or just inspiring conversations, Shaper can connect you to professionals who truly want to share tips and help. Each day it suggests 15 people with similar goals and interests for you to meet. Then all you have to do is take a few minutes to swipe through your daily profiles and set up coffees with the people who stand out. If you're a professional, the Shaper app should be installed on your phone. So download the app today or check out Shaper online at shaper.co. That's shaper, S-H-A-P-R dot C-O to learn more about Shaper. Download the app and improve the way you network. So back to the show. How does Explore work? I mean, there must be some form of an algorithm. It has to be an algorithm. Because, yeah, I, I bet no human will see the photos. Maybe one person might check every day to make sure there's nothing... Nothing slipped through the cracks that shouldn't be there. Pretty much like to avoid some public outcry. But it has to be an algorithm because it just the volume, the sheer volume of photos to be to be looked at. I don't think any any human could do that. Now, I don't know the algorithm. All this is speculation and a bit of Googling. But I'm quite sure I'm not too far off. So what... What would I put into an algorithm that decides which photos get into Explore? What signals would I include? And the term signals is 
something I think I came across first when looking into what like Google does with its page ranking algorithm, SEO, and so on. So as as signals, well, first, and what kind of prompted me to talk about this um, was the criticism that paying Flickr Pro members get priority in Explorer. No, you can't buy your way into Explorer. Is that really true? Hmm. Well, that would kind of, well, it wouldn't quite invalidate Explorer, but uh, certainly put a slant on it. And I think, yeah, I'm sure paying members might have a higher a higher chance to get in there. I think that's what, they, what they're advertising. So, um, yeah, that's probably the case. Now, I'm not sure if all the Explore pictures are just from paying members. I, I doubt that. But, yeah, people, some people are, are not happy with this because all you have to do now is pay and you get your work automatically featured on the, on the prestigious Explore gallery. But that's not that easy. Now, there are signals. First of all, let's say the factors that go into deciding if your image goes into Explore... Um, and again, I don't have any inside knowledge, but I've picked this information from like several sources and added my own speculation based on just many years being on Flickr. Um, okay, before before I continue, let me just look at another statistic. How long have I been on Flickr and how often have I been in Explore? Because that might be another indicator. Uh, in total, I was over 40 years of being on Flickr. And 66 of my photos have been in Explore. That's an average of like one every 2.5 months. And there were like five landscapes and two animals and 11 people photos. doesn't really match the distribution that I came to earlier, but yeah, it's just the way it is. But the yearly distribution is interesting because it's kind of all over the place. If I look at 2005, two pictures... 2006, one picture, then 11, then 9, then 12, then 10. And then it drops off again to 6, to 5, to 2. Uh, 2014, 15, 0. Uh, 2016, 4. 2018, 2. For the entire year. <laughs> and just for this year, in the first three months, two pictures in Explore. So... I looked a bit into my activity, and it seems that... The frequency of being an explorer is kind of linked to your activity on the platform. So yeah, what is explore? What is behind it? And there are a lot of assumptions out there. But here are a few things that people kind of seem to agree on. And I, again, found a lot of this in different discussions on Google. Um, explore seems to be a measure of views of your photo, favorites, and comments. So the the algorithm would reward good networking. If you are active, if you get a lot of, well, if, if you're connected with others, if, if you interact with others and generate views and favorites and comments, then the algorithm clearly seems to reward that. Which also means it doesn't necessarily reward excellent photography. More active Flickr members. And it's not just the views and faves and comments, but probably like a sliding scale that includes how fast these numbers accumulate. Um, so photos that, I guess, again, lots of guessing here, photos that slowly build their stats will be less likely to get into Explore than those that cause like a, some sort of a stir, maybe. Um, it seems weighted towards favorites. 
and it only includes safe images. So there's the safe search setting for your images. Um, you can't have a non-safe photo in Explore. There's also minimum size of the photos. I think that's pretty clear. If they're too small, they won't go in Explore because Explore can't display them properly. Um, and then also, if you have an image in Explore, apparently there seems to be a block, uh, time-limited block, so you cannot get another photo on Explore for uh, X days. I think it's about 9 or 10 days, or it used to be um, based on what I found. Now, these aren't hard limits, of course. It seems there is some flexibility. Um, clearly not based on a person pressing a button, like going, this photo goes in Explore, but it's in the algorithm. And uh, also, I think they are moving the targets every now and then just to prevent people from gaming the system too much. Also, I thought, I mean, the, the thought initially was, hey, it must have to do with the quality of the photo. And if you look through Explore, yeah, some photos aren't, I don't don't think are, are up to par. Most, most are quite good, but most I don't think are up to par. Um, so I kind of thought maybe their auto-tagging algorithm does something here. And Flickr famously was the first photo platform to use uh, machine learning to auto-tag your photos. Those content recognition, and I think they were the first public platform to do this. So if you search Flickr for dog, cat, mouse, house, stuff like that, it'll find those photos even without them being tagged. But I haven't found any mention of this, that this might be part of the algorithm. So I, doubt, I actually doubt it. Now, there's more citizen research out there um, and uh, some assumptions that I come across where that low activity on your part may be an issue. So if you if you are not active, if you don't go out and give others favorites and comments and stuff, then, then your photos might be uh, at a lower priority to get into Explore. Also, if you apparently if you add your photo to too many groups, that might be an issue. Like it there's a lot of groups, a lot of Flickr groups that people add their photos to. But again, that might diminish your chances. Um, geotags in the photos might make those photos more interesting for Explore. Um, visible watermarks, like if you put your name in bold letters on the bottom of the photo, that might diminish the chances for an image to get into Explore. And the same with photo borders. If you put like a white, blue, green, whatever border, like a framing border around your photo. Um, also probably makes it less likely that your photo ends up in Explore. I have not seen a single bordered photo in Explore, at least not in the in my latest searches. I have, a, I have uh, seen watermarks though. Mine, the one that just got the, the big, big visibility, that one has a faint but visible watermark in the left bottom quite inconspicuous maybe that's a factor i'm not not sure how they want to do this algorithmically but yeah um also one assumption that i read was that it might make a difference who gives your photo favorites are these your friends your family your contacts or are these others from well not your contact list and that might weigh more. 
Um, Exif data. Just one more. Exif data is also said to be beneficial to get in, into Explore. And if I look at the Aurora photo again, it, yes, it has an Exif. The size is, I think, 2,400 pixels. So that is big enough, apparently. It has a safe rating. It doesn't have geotags. Um, I didn't have any other image in Explorer in the last 10 days. Yep. But yes, it does have a visible watermark. and that. But that doesn't seem to have prohibited it from getting into Explorer. So I don't check all the boxes. So there's certainly some flexibility. Um, there must be some interestingness score of a photo. And the I guess that can still be high enough for Explore, even your photo, even if your photo doesn't check all the boxes. But my main question is, of course, what did, what have I gained from having photos in Explore? What is the benefit of having an image in Explore? And again, my answer is not a whole lot. I've, ne I've never received any work by having a photo in Explore. I haven't received any other attention by having a photo in Explore, uh, at least never directly. I haven't seen any uptick in any other area that I could attribute to having had photos in Explore. But in the beginning, I said, I see one benefit in Explore, one that I believe could help Flickr to get back to what it used to be. And that's, of course, the focus on rewarding social interaction, because that is where Flickr comes from, after all. Um, rewarding engagement on the platform, because that's what the good photography platform should be about, in my book. It should reward those who who help make it into a good and interactive experience by posting photos, by interacting with others, by liking others, other photos, by commenting, by just being a good citizen. And hopefully beyond like just saying nice pick, um, but, but by generally being good citizens on the platform. But yeah, don't get hung up on Explore. Don't put all your energy into getting your photos in there. Um, just be a good citizen and it probably will happen by itself. Now, there's there's one Flickr user I found on one of the forums uh, who, who about six years ago said it, I think, best. Here, here's his quote. Don't get too fuzzed about Explore. It is an arcane calculation of community involvement and has little to do with the merits of the photo. People who do obsess about it do so at the cost of a slice of their sanity. So be careful, and I'll just leave it at that. Hi, Chris. This is Al from Michigan. I have a question. I am red-green colorblind. I do all my photo processing in Lightroom, and I do shoot all my photos in RAW. But every time I work up a photo, Chris, I show it to my wife, who complains that my colors are all off. So I guess my question is this. Is there a tool that would allow me to finesse the colors to be what they should be so that uh, I can, you know, have confidence that the colors are, you know, more or less correct? Thanks in advance for any suggestions you might have. Hey, Al. Thank you so much for your question. Now, Vision and Humans works Kind of similar to the vision of our cameras, like cameras uh, have red, green, and blue pixels, and our eyes have receptors that also are only sensitive to sensitive to different 
wavelengths of the light and the the color blindness um there's like several forms of that i think the most rare one is monochromacy which is i think people who can only see monochrome um there's the red blue yellow blindness which is also quite rare but the most common one is the one that you have which is red green blindness and i looked it up it's in about eight percent of men it's a very male thing because only half a percent of women have it. So men, we are all, <laughs> not all, but 8% of us. So in total, like 8 to 10% of the males are affected by some form of colorblindness or another. And you know what I find ironic? The distribution between male and female in colorblindness also fits really well with the demographic of the field of photography. I mean, there, there are way more men in photography than women, which I regret, but that's just the way it is. And more men are also colorblind. So you are definitely not alone, Al. That's what I'm trying to tell you here. You're not alone. Um, on the ship in the, in the Arctic, to, just a few weeks ago, one of the participants was pretty red-green blind, to the point where one evening we had uh, a delicious spinach soup, which is really good. It was also very green. And when he tasted it, he was quite surprised that it wasn't tomato soup. So, yeah. Um, yes, and there are tools, Al. There are tools. You have it already. You have the tools already in Lightroom and especially in your camera. Because to get the colors right, the best way to work to get the... To get Perfect colors is to do it right from the start when you take the photo. And it's called white balance. And yes, there's automatic white balance in your camera. And that will also already help you quite a bit there. Uh, it's not always 100% correct. But it'll do a good job in a pinch. But you can get even more precision with the white balance presets. Like if, if you shoot in bright sunshine, by all means set the white balance to sunshine. This will give you the best colors possible. If it's overcast, set the white balance to overcast. Again, that will make a difference. And you won't have to guess. It, it just works. And if you want to be really precise or if you shoot in weird artificial light conditions, uh, learn to use a gray card. Do manual white balance. Manual white gray card probably costs, a te costs you 10 bucks. Um, and then, yeah, learn how to do manual white balance with your camera. That will be even more perfect than the presets. And that's really 99% of the trick. This is how you get good colors. Now, if you edit your photos and you like to know which part of the photo are red or green, here's a trick in Lightroom that I've seen colorblind people use. And that is temporarily set the photo to black and white. In Lightroom, that's the V key. And if you press it again, it goes back to color. And then go to the B and W, the black and white tab in the right sidebar. And you will see a bunch of sliders for different areas, different ranges of the color spectrum. There's a red one, there's a green one, there's a blue one, and there's a, a few in between. And in the black and white mode, if you slide the, the according sliders for the for the specific color band left and right you will see in real time the corresponding parts of the photo go brighter and darker and this way you can quickly identify which parts are of the photo are pre predominantly green and which parts are red yeah so those would be 
the tools that you already have, and those are probably the best ones. I've already had an episode where I talked more about colorblindness and photography in, in a bit more detail. And uh, you can go back to that in episode 707, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. And that was it for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not subscribed, go to tfttf.com and subscribe to the show or find it anywhere you listen to your other podcasts. Of course, it's always helpful if you let other people know about this show. This is the best way. Word of mouth is just worth a lot more than any other form of advertising. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, Sound Partner, Hans Peter Kagerud, Publishing and Slack Challenges by Release Pixie Matt Armstead, Slack Imitations by Chief Imitation Officer CIO Rusty Russ. The link to get on the Slack is in the show notes. And here are the patrons who supported the making of this episode, and I can't thank you all enough. Here we go. Jeremy Kerwin, Jeffrey Block, Ken Davidson, Roger Nadel, Daniel Hertig, Alin... Simeon Oyu, Marco Binder, Doug Gabbard, Peter Morrow, Alex Grosso, Tom Stewart, Matt Armstead, Stu Silverman, Woody, Trevor Palmer, Ryan Gilio, Thomas Nielsen, Dave Smith, David Recht, John Donahue, Ken Birian, Steve Sandler, Just Me MR, Alan Bruce Horn, Andrew B., Rob Duber, Chandra, Anthony, Jim Caldwell, Peter M. Spradling, James Trimble, Michael Grunert, Scott Bartek Boski, Chad Lake Clark, Robert Goshko, Sina Fahad, and Kyle Nishioka. Thank you all so much. My name is Chris Marquardt. You'll find me on social media at Chris M A R Q U A R D T. Now go out and take amazing photos. Share them with the world. Be nice to each other. And happy shooting. <laughs>